This is Howard Anderson, Managing Editor at Information Security Media Group. We're talking today with Dee Cantrell, CIO at Emory Healthcare in Atlanta. Thanks so much for joining us today, Dee. It's my pleasure to join you. Thank you. Could you please give us a brief overview of Emory Healthcare and what it encompasses? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Emory Healthcare is uh, a large integrated delivery system um, focused in the southeast uh, where our home base is in Atlanta, Georgia, and we have four hospitals and a very large physician clinic of about 1,500 physicians, close to 1,600 beds, and we have heavy specialty practices in our physician clinic. So we are also an academic health system. So we have a lot of opportunity for um, integrating clinical research uh, with our uh, clinical care itself at the bedside. Tell us a bit about your information security team. Do you have a full-time chief information security officer with a staff? And how has that staff been involved in recent years as you've ramped up uh, electronic health records and CPOE? Well, um, we do have a full-time team dedicated to security and being in healthcare and dealing with um, patient information and the privacy and the security around that kind of data, of course, is very near and dear to us. And, and we take all efforts to ensure that the privacy of our patient data and security thereof is appropriate. So having a focused team who really looks at that, uh, both from a day-to-day perspective, but also looking out toward the future for opportunities to how we improve uh, what we already do um, and leverage new technologies that may uh, come on the market. And um, we do have a security person director, a director of security, as well as a chief security officer that we share with the Emory University side as well. So we're very focused on ensuring that anything that we implement and the way we architect everything is compliant with um, federal regulations for HIPAA as well as some of the other accrediting agencies that we deal with like Joint Commission as well as specific societies like uh, the American College of Cardiology um, Physicians and and the clinical lab uh, accrediting organization. So we have a, a lot of people who look at us. So we have to make sure that our house is in order. Has the size of that security team grown in recent years? Um, it has. We have probably added about um, three to five people to that team uh, over the, just over the past five years itself. And the reason for that is that we've been on uh, a very heavy path of implementations for clinical automation. And as we add more and more systems that deal with more and more patient data, we need to add the support staff to be able to to ensure that we're doing all the right things from a security and privacy perspective too, not to mention the amount of logon IDs and passwords and things like that that have to be just managed on almost an hour-by-hour basis um, because we have a, a revolving door, if you will, with the number of residents and fellows that come on each year and as they change rotations, all of those... Um, um, IDs that they have access to, all our clinical systems, we have to ensure that they are appropriate for their role and for the location in which they're providing care. I understand you're using Citrix virtualization technology in conjunction with thin clients through much of Emory Healthcare. Tell us a little bit about why you chose that technology and 
a little bit about how it works and how it influences your approach to information security specifically. Um, we were an early adopter of virtualization technology. Um, actually, back in 2002, we implemented our first wave of uh, virtualization. Technology has definitely enhanced from that time, and as new technologies come out that allow us to do even more uh, improved things to support a very mobile workforce, and virtualization, as you know, is key to that. We continue to refine and uh, adopt our strategy for that. But one of the things that we looked at when we embraced virtualization, one of our core business drivers was the need to ensure that we mitigate risk for any breach of patient data security or privacy. And with virtualization technology, what we're able to do is stream information from uh, a very secure location over secured network connection to the device that the end user is using, and none of that information resides on that device. So we don't have to worry about a laptop getting stolen that has patient information on it or some other uh, device, whether it's a PDA, uh, any of our mobile workstations on wheels, because our data, patient data, does not reside on the device itself. It's all served up virtually from the servers in the secured data center. Okay. How, how can uh, physicians access your clinical systems remotely, if at all, and how do you ensure mm-hmm. that that information uh, remains secure? Well, one of our um, other drivers, as we looked at adopting virtualization early on, uh, not only was security, but the ability to support a mobile workforce. Because our physicians roam across the state of Georgia and actually into surrounding states as we do services outside of the state of Georgia even. And we have a, a large teleradiology presence in the southeast as well. So the ability to support clinicians, no matter where they may be located, with secure access to patient information uh, was imperative. Again, another reason for adopting virtualization, because what we've created um, is what we call My Desktop, and that essentially is a virtualization portal that gives the end user access based on their security levels access to all the applications, all the enterprise applications that they need to do their job uh, for providing care at Emory Healthcare. Now, this also um, works for our mobile office workers as well because we've virtualized the entire Microsoft Office suite so that all business applications, email, Word, uh, Excel, et cetera, all of those are served up virtually as well through this portal and so even if they happen to be on vacation in California, on the beach somewhere, and there is an issue that comes up where they need to get to all their files, their network files, um, and be able to share a presentation or what have you with um, people back home, they log in to the secure web portal into our virtualization, um, virtualized desktop, and they're able to get to everything just like they're in their office. Tell us a little bit about how you handle user authentication, both on the campus and for remote access. Yeah, from a um, from a user authentication standpoint, uh, we do two-factor authentication right now. We're looking at adopting uh, 
another level of, of authentication, but because of what we've been able to do with our virtual desktop, two-factor authentication actually works very well for us because there's so much other security around it. The other thing that we've been working on, too, is um, a more seamless way of providing user authentication across the big Emory, not only the Emory Healthcare Emory, but also Emory University, because we do have faculty and staff that go between the, you know, between the two different um, service lines. And one of our projects right now is taking a look at a more ubiquitous approach to streamlining uh, user authentication and access into systems, whether they're healthcare specific or academic specific. And so one of the things that we'll be embarking on uh, will be a virtualization strategy also for the university side as well. And of course, user authentication will be something that we'll have to really look deeply at. I do want to also mention, though, that we have single sign-on authentication um, that is integrated and built into our virtual desktop, which also allows a much better management of authentication through all the different layers of the applications that our user, users are accessing. And we have adopted some technology uh, from IBM as well as ActiveCard and some Citrix components as well in order to try to make that authentication and user access experience as seamless as possible and as quick as possible. So is, is the two-factor authentication a, a hardware token or a biometrics? Uh, right now, uh, we've tried a little bit of all of those uh, in different pilots and in different situations. In the ED, we did prox card authentication. We've also also done some work with biometrics. Uh, we even, we've even looked at retinal scanning. <laughs> Um, and uh, right now, uh, when you get right down to it, the basic uh, two-factor authentication uh, is pretty as simple as a logon ID and password and your SSL connection uh, into the virtualization portal. But we have pockets of trying all of those different authentication technologies out there. It's been a little, um, little difficult to settle on one particular enterprise authentication process from using whether we use um, biometric authentication or some other method because of the clinical care aspect of it. For example, in the EDs when we did uh, prox card authentication for them, you would find that, that in some cases the prox cards, even though it may have been a chip on your ID badge or some, uh, you know, if for instance or an RF tag on your ID badge for using for access, that it, it still gets down to human behavior and training and education because people will still use each other's cards uh, for access, which is another reason why not only do you need the proxy card access, but fingerprint sign-on as well and, and maybe some others, which gets back down into really looking at doing more three-factor or even deeper authentication. And that's a challenge, but that's a challenge, I think, uh, overall in, in healthcare settings is getting the right combination of things that the clinicians will actually use and it, that will also provide the level of security that you as, a, as an IT professional or CIA really need. Tell us a little bit about how you're applying encryption and whether your use of the Citrix technology affects that strategy. 
for our virtualization initiative and our virtual desktop, from an encryption standpoint, we use PGP, whole disk encryption for mobile devices. We don't uh, have to do any more specific encryption to um, to the server or to the network because we're a closed we are a closed system. The data is encrypted within the transmission internally from the PCs to the servers. We do, from a uh, secure email perspective, use Transport Layer Service, or TLS, as our default for this, which means that when we send or receive email to or from a third party that's outside of our network, the email is transmitted encrypted with uh, since TLS is deployed for external. Um, if the third party doesn't have TLS deployed, um, that is when we have to look at how we work with that third party in, in order to ensure that we're not just sending clear text and that we actually are um, adopting an encryption strategy. Typically on the clinical care side, TLS has been pretty, pretty much a standard adopted. But as you move into the academic arena, as you know, there are varying best practices or adoptions of different kinds of of encryptions by the third parties that may be inter interacting with faculty. And so that gets, that gets to be a little bit more of a challenge. Please update us on the status of your move to computerized physician order entry. Uh, and is mm -hmm. the move to electronic orders raising any new security issues that you've had to tackle? Uh, we are fully deployed with uh, com computerized physician order entry throughout our hospitals, through all of our hospitals. And we've been, um, we've actually had very good experience with the physician order entry and are, are up in the high 90 percentage as far as compliance with entering all our orders electronically by the provider. As far as security issues go, this hasn't been, um, there haven't been any additional security issues or concerns that we didn't already have because our physicians have access to to um, the EMR through the virtual desktop, and so they they already had all the access that they needed, no matter where they were, uh, and it was secured access. But again, this gets back to you can't under, underestimate the importance of human behavior, education, training, and certification really uh, annually, which is what we do with both our staff and our physicians, that everyone un understands and appreciates the importance of the security um, guidelines that they need to adopt and you don't share passwords and you do the appropriate thing uh, with information, whether that be electronically or verbally or on paper. So um, I, I just continue to emphasize, would emphasize to anybody that even the best security technology in place can be disrupted by human behavior. So education, training, compliance monitoring of these things are vitally important no matter what. Finally, uh, you're one of those rare CIOs who also is a registered nurse. Uh, how does that background help you as you develop strategies for giving nurses and other clinicians better access to clinical information while ensuring it also remains secure? I think that being a clinician adds a lot of credibility uh, to my role as CIO of a health system uh, because I've been there, I've done that, and to some extent continue to do that um, as I volunteer regularly. 
In addition to, to myself being a clinician, though, I have other clinicians that are part of my staff as well. So having a blend of clinicians and true IT technical professionals, I think, is the, is the best chance of success for moving things uh, forward in a healthcare system because it takes both perspectives coming together um, to ensure that the right thing happen for patient care and for providers and, and our nurses. Um, so in my opinion, I think I have the best of both worlds here. Well, thanks very much. We've been talking today with Dee Cantrell of Emory Healthcare. This is Howard Anderson of the Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.